to another episode of Future Nation. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Where we speak with some of today's brightest innovators and explore the future of disruptive innovation. Let's go. Here's your host, Daniel Callo. Hi, I'm Daniel Callo, your host for Future Nation. I would like to welcome you all to our very first episode. In this podcast series, I will be exploring the future of disruptive innovation. I will be interviewing some of today's most successful innovators and business minds. Through these interviews, we will learn about some of the most interesting and exciting innovations of today, the impacts these innovations have on our lives, and how to prepare ourselves and our organizations for a future that these disruptive innovations will bring. I hope that through this podcast series, you will find some innovative inspiration for your own journeys. Once again, thank you, and I now bring you our first episode. Today, I will be speaking with Rupert Deans. Rupert is a true innovator within the augmented reality space. His first venture, One Fat Sheep, quickly earned him the reputation as an out-of-the-box thinker by bringing to life virtual zombies on a pizza box. His zombie success projected him on a global scale, garnering the attention of some of the world's largest brands such as Red Bull and PwC. Currently, as the founder of Platter, his vision is to bring the creative power of AR to the everyday person. Rupert is now working with some of the most respected companies on earth, providing AR solutions that help these brands engage with their consumers like never before. I introduce to you, Rupert Deans. Thank you, Rupert, for being on Future Nation. It's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. So tell us a bit about yourself. So um, originally, I'm from New Zealand. You might have noticed the twang, my <laughs> accent. Yep. I come from Shake City, Christchurch. Hopefully you know where that was. Well, it is. Obviously was because of the earthquake, but uh, it's coming back on the map. So yeah, I, I grew up on the farm there and just outside of Christchurch, a little place called Darfield. Yep. As a child, I had uh, dyslexia. So I always kind of use visualization to understand and engage with the world. Yeah. And so naturally went through the schooling kind of process and through that, you know, back in the 80s, dyslexia wasn't recognized as a, you know, a learning disorder. So I didn't really fit in the traditional boxes. And so therefore I thought I was told I was stupid because the education system didn't have a tick box for dyslexia. Yes. Um, and so naturally I fell out of kind of that system and left school early. In hindsight, the best thing that ever happened. And I um, went and set up one of the first design agencies um, in Christchurch. So we know branding and logos and all that kind of creative stuff. So it's kind of cool. And then um, one day, one of my lead producers came to me and he's like, Rupert, I've got this amazing new technology. It's called Augmented Reality. You've got to check it out. And I was like, what is it? He's, show me, show me, show me. And so um, he brought over this piece of paper and said, look, hold up your smartphone and scan this. And up popped a 3D house. And I thought, man, this is amazing. I've seen this in movies like Minority Report. I was like, whoa, what is this? It's blowing my mind. So at that point, I knew this technology was going to fundamentally change my life and change the way we engage, the way we learn, the way we buy. It's basically going to change our world. But the problem was back then, this was almost 10 years ago, nobody really applied this technology to solving a problem. Yeah. And so I thought, We've got to basically prove that there's utility and value in this powerful new visualization technology called augmented reality. For those that don't know what augmented reality is, it's the digital overlay of 3D content within a real world context. So I'm sure a lot of the listeners have seen holograms before. 
It's basically hologram through the phone. It's a very simple way of saying it. That's kind of the background of, of where my whole story started was that moment. We then realized we needed to basically prove the value of this powerful new technology. So we went to a company called Hell Pizza, New Zealand's largest pizza franchise. And they've got you know, a number of stores throughout New Zealand, one of the largest pitch franchises there. And we said to them, look, guys, we've got this amazing new technology that we feel really confident that's going to drive engagement for your customers and for the brand. It's going to increase your sales. Um, it's going to provide the brand utility and awareness that you're always after. Now, these guys are always known for pushing the boundaries. They did a rabbit skin billboard for the launch of their rabbit pizza at Easter. Um, <laughs> we viral was featured this, you know, all, all around the world. So they yeah. like pushing the boundaries. So we went to them and said, look, why don't we create the world's first 3D zombie shooter on a pizza? box called zombies from hell yeah and they're like love it and so basically we went and basically built this amazing game where how it worked is you bought a pizza you got out your smartphone you scanned the top of it and up popped a 3d zombie shooter the more zombies you shot the more pizzas and prizes you unlocked so what people thought they're doing is just playing a fun game but what actually they're doing is we're gamifying purchasing behavior so you had to buy two other pizzas to unlock level two and three yeah, right. So, yeah. <laughs> they didn't even realize that. Did it, did it realize Next what? thing you know, they got 20 pizzas exactly, at the door. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. And so the, the brand was stoked. They sold a couple of million dollars worth of increased pizza sales. Yeah. You know, um, and it went nuts. We had like $40,000 of the app within two months. It was the eighth most downloaded app in New Zealand above Facebook and above Trade Me. Wow. Still for two weeks, the biggest apps in New Zealand. And so off the back of that, we then had all these massive brands from throughout the world Red Bull, PwC, Hermes coming to us saying, look, we want to create our own open reality. But the problem was it costs a lot of money, time-consuming, hard to create, hard to manage. Now, I've seen the same thing with websites and applications as they started off very bespoke and customized. And then over time, they got commoditized by platforms like WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, et cetera. You know those ones? Yep. And so I thought, okay, I've been through this before with my digital agency. We started building all these custom apps and then these got commoditized by the platforms. Same with websites. I need to build a platform that's going to make it simple and easy and cost-effective to enable anybody to be able to create their own open reality. Yeah. And that's where the idea of Platter was born. Yeah. So that's a bit of a, a background. So that's where it kind of all started. Let's talk about Platter. Yep. To explain it in simpler terms, it's basically what Platter does for AR is what Wix has done for website building, yes? Yep, that's it basically. Um, so – what we do is we enable anybody without having to have technical skills Yep, from five-year-olds up to 80-year-olds to be able to come in. Uh, within minutes, they can build their own content experience. Yep. They then can look at how they want to deploy these um, different point solutions. So everything, there's a whole range of different uh, user cases that you can build on the platter. So one could be I'm a product company and I want to be able to engage people with my product um, on my website so we can build a configurator where I can design and customize my product. I then can be able to visualize and put that virtually into a space. Um, so that's one example. It might be a product viewer where I just want to spin and interact with my product in 3D just via the website. Yep. It might be an AR app. So I want to be able to empower my sales team to go out and be able to virtualize uh, my product range and be able to um, take a large industrial piece of equipment virtually to any meeting because you can't normally do that. And I'll talk through some of the work we're doing with Fisher and Paykel and Saab in the second. It might be an activation. So, you know, Pokemon. Yes. So again, Pokemon was the whole, uh, I guess, uh, tipping point for AR when people actually yeah. realized what the technology was and the value of it and went mainstream. Obviously, it wasn't even true AR from a technical perspective, but uh, hey, people knew what it was after that. So yeah, we can also use it to activate people. So people like to be engaged because it's really rich, engaging content. Yes. So people can kind of build those type of solutions on it through the support. 
enabling people to be able to set up and configure a product. So you go to IKEA, you buy your cabinet. Yeah, you know, we've all been there before where we've got a you know, 20 page manual. We don't know what part goes where. So um, through Plato, we can help visualize that process by a step-by-step guide. Like an explosive diagram. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And do this and then that and then a sequence. And highlight the parts. Exactly. In front of you exactly. in, a, in a 3D diagram. I mean, yep. yeah, that would just be amazing. So that entire life cycle from activating through to engaging through to converting through the support is basically what Platt is offering through our platform. So you can choose these templates, you can build it out and you can deploy it to your customers within minutes at a very low cost. So basically you're targeting mid to high level companies. Yeah, yeah. So I guess as a product experience platform, we're targeting brands and manufacturers that have got either a physical product or a digital informational product they're looking to um, showcase and sell and support. And so um, we've got a whole different range of customers, um, right from small SMEs, like the individual you know, um, homewares designer that's got one, you know, a range of cushions, and want a bit of virtually put that into a couch, right up to Saabs and Snooze, who we just launched a project with, uh, through the uh, vicinity, Red Bull. So we kind of go right along the different spectrum. Um, but yeah, the majority of our customers are probably medium to large. Your platform enables people to be a bit more creative, I yep, suppose, definitely. Um, and think outside the box. Yep. What has been one of the most interesting or intriguing applications of your platform that you've seen? Yeah, well, <laughs> there's um, a lot of artists actually come in and are using our platform to be able to communicate their medium in a whole new way. Right. And so it's, it's you know, left the field. It wasn't what I expected people to um, yep. use it for. So we've got some pretty amazing um, companies and organizations like HM Group um, that did a lot of work with Pause Fest, a big um, festival here. Um, they also done, uh, they just won an award for the design work for around a coffee company. Yep. So they're using um, Platter to be able to do data visualization. So normally data is pretty boring to yeah. engage with. And so they're bringing it to life in 3D and then be able to show, you know, those artifacts kind of come to light and the information, the whole new user experience. Yes. Um, we've also got other artists that have been importing and rigging up 3D models of dancers to communicate, I think the term is binary uh, personas. Yeah. And so there's um, some of that work that's been done. So that's kind of more the creative aspect. So we've got artists coming in and building these new user experience portals, 3D portals you might have seen before as well, yeah. um, becoming big. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then I guess the other user cases that I, I really like around the whole utility empowering people to be able to do their job more efficiently and effective. Um, and that is probably that um, step-by-step user cases. So how do I st- set up and configure my products? Um, so that's been a, a, a emerging uh, trend on the platform is a lot of people starting to create these new uh, user guides and things. Um, so that's where I want to see it going as, as well. Um, and then, yeah, and then just uh, there's a lot of, I guess, Brand agencies as well doing creative campaigns. Yeah. Businesses look at launching a new product. They want to bring the story to life in a new way. So they're creating uh, interactive storytelling mechanics on the platform where you can go through and you can tap on different scenes and then you can go through to 3D portal or you go to 360 video and then you can engage with that content in a whole new uh, new way. So yeah, there's a whole different range of um, left of field solutions being built on the platform. Really the limits, only your imagination. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, and that's what we want to empower is basically We've got all these key components that are built into the platform, such as you know, 3D, 360 video, audio, animation, hot points, annotations. Um, you know, we integrate with Sketchfab and th- uh, third-party marketplace as well to be able to pull in content. So we want to empower creators to be able to create these new user cases and the future user cases of AR, because again, it's still an emerging 
industry um, and see you know, how, how they can actually engage with uh, customers and consumers and end users in, in new and exciting ways. Yeah, fantastic. AR versus VR, what's that about? So it used to be AR versus VR. Um, now I think where we're kind of getting these merge realities or the whole immersive spectrum yep. is that it's all complementary. So VR's taken a bit of a hit recently, as I'm sure you've probably seen. Some of the biggest VR companies in the world have actually pivoted um, towards uh, AR. Even Facebook, I was reading an article uh, this week, and Oculus and things, all a good chunk of the Oculus team have now gone and they're working on the AR glasses. Wow. So there's a major shift that's happening um, towards AR, mixed reality, and spatial computing at the moment. Yeah. We still use VR um, within certain uh, user cases more around training because it is more value and utility of being immersed within a full 3D environment. So that's um, VR is, I guess, you're immersed in a total environment. You're not seeing the overlay of the real world, whereas open reality is a digital overlay of the real world. So when you want to put somebody into a mine and where they have to be aware of what's above them and also behind them, potentially getting run over while something might be falling from the roof, VR is a a better uh, application of the technology for that because um, you've got that spatial kind of uh, awareness. Um, Whereas AR, you know, is better for other applications such as uh, real-time contextual training uh, within the environment you're working within. So, yeah, they're complementary. I don't think there's a battle going on and they're also merging as well and that's where the best user cases come from. Realistically, we're probably going to see more AR investment than VR investment. Yeah, AR, XR is a new term as well. Extended reality kind of covers all of them. Um, so, and then spatial computing is kind of where it's all going. So, like the magic leap, et cetera. So, yeah, we're definitely going to see more of those use cases starting to come through. And the size of the market, I mean, we've seen stats out there that in 2018, you know, the AR, VR, or XR yeah, yeah. Um, industry was 27 billion and they're predicting by 2022, yeah. it's going to be over 200 billion. Yeah, it's growing at a phenomenal rate. So there's basically some key drivers for that. With Apple ARKit and Google ARCore, it's now by the end of this year, I think it's going to be on 1.8 billion devices. So it means basically most smartphones now have the capacity to be able to serve and deliver really rich, high-fidelity, value-based uh, AR and mixed reality experiences. Yep. So that's kind of been pretty cool. Um, Apple and Google are kind of going head-to-head to release the freshest new, uh, I guess, um, technology to help solve some of the problems we're trying to solve. So that's been a, it's been fantastic for us. As I said, we're, we're overnight success in 10 years we've been. So um, <laughs> it's, it's been great that you know, we're out there alone saying this is going to be big, this is going to be big. Nobody was in there. And then the last, you know, two, three years, we've had Apple and Google come out and release their computer vision um, software to enable uh, these user experiences um, on any end of phone or device. So that's been the kind of tipping point. And that's why we're getting this huge growth at the moment. Yeah. So ultimately, technology has caught up. The consumer technology Correct. has caught up. Yep. Yep. And it means that now, the average consumer has enough power in their pocket exactly. to be able to use this technology, yep. whereas five years ago, it was virtually impossible. Yeah, it just it, it was very limited. Actually. Yeah. Um, the quality of the experience was a bit rough. The quality of the rendering wasn't that great. The tracking used to normally have to use fiducial markers. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably seen this before. This QR code, you'd scan that yes. or you'd scan a piece of paper. Yeah. And then it would augment on top of that piece of paper. Yeah. Um, so now that's changed a lot. You can do markerless, it's called now. This is where the core enables. So what that does is enable me to virtually put my content into any context or space without the need to print off a marker. 
or have a reference point. And so that's unlocked these new user cases. Um, and, and ultimately that's made us basically a product experience platform where I can virtually, you know, you're sitting on a couch right now. I can virtually put a new couch into this room, see what it looks like, put a TV onto the wall, vertical plane detection, see what it looks like, can change out the carpet. I can virtually put a painting in here. I can then, you know, have the table here and show me how to assemble it. Um, it's basically just seamless. You've got Google and Apple who are pushing the technology and driving. They're their central driving force because they have their consumers in their pocket. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're just leveraging off the back leveraging of that. Leveraging off really. of that. The more organizations that do take on the technology, I mean, the more powerful it becomes in general. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's only certain ways we can go. And that's why, you know, we've had smartphones and tablets for a while now. Next generation of uh, hardware devices coming through are going to be wearables. We know that um, Apple and Facebook definitely are working on their own smart glasses. So these are eventually going to replace the cell phones and tablets we've got in our pockets. And we'll just have these seamless uh, hands-free experiences basically um, through these wearable devices. And that's, again, these hardware companies are all pushing to release this and own this next market. One thing that AR really highlights for me is that it bridges the gap between the online world and the offline world. You know, someone at home can be, as you've just said, put new furniture in their home. Yep, from the, the shopping online and e-commerce site. They see a couch they like. They can yep. then go, great, it looks good on the website in 2D. Now let me put it in size, in context, into my room Yeah, see what it actually looks like with the rest of my furniture. So bridging the gap that way. And then the other way is to help the bricks and mortar stores to have their consumers engage and enjoy shopping more by overlaying Exactly. On top of the existing yep. products, features and benefits. And boring aisles that they might have then become alive. Exactly. Yep. That's yeah, some of the kind of emerging user cases you're right is um wayfinding. Yeah. So again with glasses, this is gonna be a big thing. I go into my bunnings, um, I know I've got a job to get done, such as you know, I want to build my deck. Um Kiwi accent. No. <laughs> uh, my dick. Um, I want to build my dick. Uh, so I go in there. I am showing where the hammer is. I, I'll, you know, four. It lights up with a little uh, glowing, glowing hammer in front of me. So I walk forward. Once I find that, and then it pops up with a discount or a special for if I upgrade to a more advanced version. I then show in the next directions to go and grab my nails and planks, etc. And so instead of trying to find somebody, find the body product, that happens sometimes. Like your tool um, guide. Exactly. It's your virtual assistant to drive you around the store and it enable you to achieve your job in a more faster and efficient and seamless way. And so that's um, it's already happening in large malls overseas. Yeah. So it'll be coming to Australia hopefully soon as well. So these are the user cases that provide real utility and value to the end, end customer. I mean, I suppose the big one at the moment with AR, what it enables in retail, as an example, would be gamification. Yep, definitely. Yeah, gamifying purchasing behavior. And that's, I suppose, where your traditional bricks and mortar store could have an advantage yep. over a pure online player. Definitely, because you've got a physical space to play within it. Yeah, you've got, let's say, Amazon pure online player, um, at least in Australia so far, Yep. versus, let's say, your, your traditional maybe Bunnings or hardware store yep. where you're in-store, you have the experience of being in-store, you have an overlay of this virtual world that's gamified, you're moving around that can potentially be more immersive than just sitting there on your computer browsing different products. Definitely. I feel there could be a re-emergence of bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar is changing, and so the size of your space and things might change, but then you might add this whole new augmented customer experience to your general customer experience where 
you know, you can have this engaging, rich product experience in the store where you're, you know, be able to visualize and see the product range and configure it and design it. And then you can also get rewarded using gaming mechanics for purchasing. So there's, um, yeah, loyalty cards and things. They can all be reinvented in a whole new way. So there's massive opportunities for brands and organizations to look at doing it better. There's a YouTube video that I really enjoyed that really shows what AR could be in the future and it's called Hyper Reality. Yep. You've seen that video? Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty crazy <laughs> video, that one. Um, that shows potentially the not dark side of AR, but just how full on it could get. Yeah. So it's almost like a black mirror version. Exactly. Of yeah. Yeah. AR. <laughs> yeah. When basically everything in your world's augmented and you have this overload of media consumption and content. Yeah. Yep. That potentially could happen. What I think is probably more realistic. Again, there's a whole battle going on at the moment for it's called cloud AR. So this is where everything's heading and this is kind of the next internet. So all the biggest companies in the world right now are trying to own this new cloud AR. So what this means is it's kind of persistent AR. So I can virtually put a piece of content into a context such as a table. I then can go away and come back and it will still be in here in a year's time. Wow. Yep. And I could have a shared experience. So you might see one experience on this table. Yeah. You might configure it to different colors. I might configure it in another way. And then we could have both different shared views, either a shared view of my view, and you could also be looking at that, or we could have our own custom views on it. Wow. And so that, I guess, AR cloud, whatever that ends up looking like, being the new internet, hopefully will control uh, how we consume and engage with this content. And so all going well, it will actually be personalized to our own needs. And so, you know, say I'm walking down Collins Street, you know, I want to find the top uh, new restaurants. Um, I like Asian, so it will just guide me in those directions um, of the you know best dumpling places. Whereas um, it won't show you know the other fifty thousand options available as well. Yeah. So that hopefully shall mitigate the hyper reality um, issue. Let's talk about disruption. Yep. Awesome. We all love a bit of disruption. Mm-hmm. What are the existing business models you feel? that this technology is really going to disrupt. Yep. Obviously, um, retail is probably one of the main ones right yep. now, especially for where we're already working. So you don't need to have a large physical space anymore, right? Yeah, right. So you can, all these large retail showrooms with you know hundreds or thousands of product SKUs, why you don't, you don't need to have that anymore. You basically have your key product lines in one color, and then you can augment all the different other options either on top of that physical product or virtually put it in there, right? So that's unlocking you know, all this new potential for brands to be able to have pop-up stores and malls and et cetera yes. and represent the whole product range. And it's obviously saving them time and cost on having you know, overheads. Yep. You don't need to have this large spaces anymore. You can create these new customer experiences where you know, I go in store, I want to read. Half time right now, they say, sorry, sir, it's not available in store. You have to go to, you know, out to Chadstone, you've got to go, you know, somewhere else. You've got to go online to see it. It's a bad customer experience. But with the power of AR, you can say, yes, sir, I can bring that color and variation and, and show you right now. And on top of that, I also can personalize it to your needs. Would you like to change these two different colors out and configure it to your, you know, to your design of your new house you're building? You know, that's kind of where we're heading. So um, that's one example, I guess, within retail. You've also got new user cases that have been created, such as, you know, I'm looking at um, customizing my shelf to my home. Um, so using AR, I could go into my living room, I could pinch and zoom and um, basically build out my shelving to match the space. I then could go buy now, it gets sent to a manufacturer, potentially in China, yep. and they ship it directly to me. So it completely cuts out the middle retail channel. And so these are some of the new disruptive um, opportunities within, I guess, potentially the retail space. 
the whole supply chain sort of gets turned on its head. Exactly. It's creating efficiencies that um, haven't been realised before. Exactly. Yep. And yeah, you're right. It's like a lot more efficient, faster turnaround. It's personalised to what I actually need. There's no wastage. Um, should reduce returns as well because yeah. you're setting expectations. Um, so that's definitely ripe for the disruption. And then you've got other areas we're working in. Um, again, left the field is agriculture. So um, how your farm is changing. Yeah. So we're doing projects in New Zealand with the largest telco there um, where basically you've got sensors within your farm. And so instead of actually having to um, go out there and, you know, traditional way was you'd have to drive out in the farm, you know, dig up the soil, feel it, get a, a, you know, a sense for what the moisture levels were like. Now basically you can have a sensors embedded into the farm. Um, what we do is we go out and we scan, scan it with a drone. We create a 3D model of a farm. You then can be sitting in your office, you know, when it's a bloody, especially New Zealand, it's like minus three degrees in the morning, but <laughs> cold and shit. I remember doing it when I was a kid. Um, I now can bring up a 3D model of my farm. I can see the exact moisture levels in each of the paddocks. I can then virtually basically switch off my um, irrigation systems, so my pivots, or I can um, let them run. And so these are some of the kind of new uh, disruptive technologies that are affecting how we do business and how we yeah. operate our farms or organisations. So that's kind of another example of how it might not disrupt, I guess it's more make it more efficient um, within doing those farming practices. And then pretty much, yeah, every vertical is going to be uh, changed in, 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 you know, in some way. So education, again, contextual-based learning. So your world starts being your medium um, that you learn through for kids. So using AR to be able to understand, look, what's the size of this and volume of this table in front of me, yeah. you know? So kids can start applying their knowledge in real-world circumstances using the power of AR. They can also get more uh, information around what's, what's around them using AI and machine learning. You know, there's opportunities around helping people to understand what they're doing on a day-to-day basis basically yeah at the moment the power is obviously through your smartphone and that's what everyone's developing for such as yourself as well i remember you mentioning wearables is probably the big one next yeah so smart glasses wearable headsets so obviously um we've got facebook working on that pair from the sound of it not sure when it's gonna be released but hopefully soon we've got magic leap um these are there's a whole different a plethora of um, different um, options coming out. Yep. Magic Leap, obviously, they've got their uh, spatial computing uh, headset that, that we've just got one of those, so it's pretty exciting, and that's you know really seamless now. Obviously, they look a bit funny still, so I guess the amen moment's going to be when it just looks like any normal pair of sunnies or yeah. glasses. Um, so obviously, Apple also working on their own yeah. um, ones that hopefully going to be released in 2022. Yeah. That's what people are predicting, but who <laughs> knows? Um, so yeah, this is where... It just becomes part of our day-to-day lives. Yeah. It's a seamless user experience. You're not having to need to hold up your phone. It's just hands-free, you know? Um, so that's going to be what, what we're really waiting on. Google Glass. Yep. Let's talk about that. That's yeah. a project that was a very flop. interesting. Yeah, ultimately it was a flop. Yep. What's interesting though is now they're coming back again. Yes. So it's actually found specific user cases, especially within um, medicine. Yep. Where you don't need a full you know, augmentation. You just need an overlay of the right content in the right time. Yep. And so they're actually making a return. They're building AI uh, into it as well to be able to learn. You know, you might be doing procedure and it can learn from what you're doing and then give you updates around what the next step should be. So, yeah, it's kind of come back with a vengeance. They just went out too early yep. to understand the, you know, the customer needs. My understanding was privacy issues, I think, were one of the big ones. Oh, yeah, there's concerns around that. Obviously, you know, people got referred to looking like a glass hole because <laughs> 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 you, when people were wearing them. So, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a number of different factors. I think they're just were too early, basically. Too early to the yeah. game. Yeah, to the game. And um, they didn't really, you know, I guess, 
have the insights around what people you know want and expect of the product. Yeah. So as far as wearables go, we're looking at glasses, maybe even potentially a contact lens down the track. Yeah, retinal lenses definitely is where it goes beyond that. Um, yeah, there's another enabling technology that will happen in the future. Again, my daughter will probably have those. So just pop a retinal lens in yeah. and then you have the full, full augmentation happening with that. It'll be integrated into your brain as well. So it's kind of the cyborg path we're heading down. Awesome. Can't yeah. wait for that. <laughs> Crazy, eh? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about one of your exciting projects that you might have on or something you've previously completed. Yeah, no, definitely. Where do I start? There's so many different uh, projects going on at the moment. I guess one of the most exciting projects that we've been involved with recently has been working with Fisher & Paykel PML. These guys make production lines. And so they had a real challenge was how do they ship their production line over to a large trade show in Germany? Yep. Traditionally, it would have cost you know, $150,000 in shipping, taking you know, a few months. And so they wanted to be able to virtually look at how they could take the product to the trade show. And so what we did is we built a 3D model of their production line showing you know, how basically make the drums and the go into your washing machines. And what we did is we brought that to life and showed the data and information that sits inside the machine as well, such as hydraulic pressures, how much power I was using, how efficient it was. And you've seen movies like Minority Report. Yes. Yep. And so what we did is we built these HUDs, heads up display, that's displayed this data information. And so what was really cool is we ended up um, solving two problems for the organization. One is be able to virtually you know, ship it there and save all that cost and time. Um, the second one was creating a really sticky, engaging sales experience. So enabled the guys on the stand to be able to bring up the product, be able to show the features and benefits of the product, then be able to show all the data and complex information that's inside the product that you don't normally see unless you're looking through a traditional dashboard and then as a, as a new customer experience. And so that was really cool. Um, they had great engagement with that. Obviously helped close more sales. So that's one of the projects we're super excited by. So you kind of get the more utility driven user cases like that and the B2B sales through to some of the funner projects such as uh, done work with like Sugar Mountain Music Festival where all the uh, digital art came to life and so it was a really rich engaging fun experience you know one in three people downloaded the application and, and went uh, through the experience and took part of that and so yeah that was fantastic and they all shared it out and it was super successful so that was a good example so we've had a number of different wins over the years but those are probably two of the kind of standout projects that have come to mind there's a lot of I guess the use cases right now are really around enabling sales so um a lot of the value there is, again, just that how do I virtually put my product range into the sales team's hands, enable them to go out there and showcase it to a customer without having to physically move and ship it. So that's where we're getting a heap of traction at the moment around our product experience engine. So a lot of industrial type applications where it's virtually impossible to showcase the large industrial equipment. Yep. You can then just go to the client's premises. Exactly. And showcase the equipment in their warehouse. Yep. Or whatever it may be and even see if it fits. Yeah, exactly. How accurate is the technology as far as measuring goes? Yeah, that's the cool thing is that now um, with the latest, again, Marcus technology, it's actually to real world scale. Yeah. So that's really cool is you can virtually take it out there, you can put it in size and context. So a good example of that is some work we've done Saab we've done like a drone and so you can see that drone in full scale out there in context wow yeah and you can have animated flying around and showing all the features and benefits of it and yeah it's, it's, it's pretty exciting work and then another good example is Service Bodies works with Isuzu they basically create these modifications for the back of the different utes that do different jobs such as little cranes and uh, toolkits and things and so now they can basically virtually take out this truck and then show the different 
uh, service packs that go on the back of these trucks and how customers can use them to solve different problems within the business organization. And again, you're not going to drive out, you know, 20 trucks to show a customer, are you, with no. all these different variations on the back. You can virtually do it and saving that problem of time and money. I can see the trend starting already. Organizations will be testing markets without even producing the product. Well, that's, yeah, that's a really nice use case, actually. So I've got an idea for a new product. How can I actually go and put that in front of the customer and show them what it looks like and how it might work and before I actually go and physically build it and tool up to manufacture it? Yeah. And so again, some of our customers are looking at doing that at the moment. So testing these new product lines yeah. without even building the product. And that's, again, that's pretty disruptive and that's where it's all heading. I mean, that's massive. It would just increase the efficiency of innovation in general. You could test products at low cost, put in front of the right people, and then decide where you will throw your development costs at. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's a really good use case. And another one that we've been working with is Lamazoko coffee machines. Do you know them? Yes, I've heard of them. In pretty much every cafe. So again, now they're enabling their customers to be able to virtually put these coffee machines into their kitchen, see what they look like in context prior to buying to make the right um, purchasing decision. Yeah. So again, it's not industrial use case, it's more appliances, but that's where we're getting real traction to be able to see what it looks like in that context, check the right color, check the right variation and then make a informed decision to buy. Yeah. So there's a couple of key kind of projects we work on at the moment that we're pretty pumped about. Yeah, awesome. We've talked about the driving factors that have led to the success of AR. Yep. What about Platter itself? What has led to the success of your company? It comes back to your team, right? Um, so as a founder, obviously you set the vision. Um, you know, my vision is to amplify you know, your vision. So that's the power of AIR is that enable us to visualize new ways. My team obviously have got behind that vision and they're helping deliver that. And without without them, I'd be nothing. You know, I wouldn't be here you know, without the technology and the product and everything that um, is, is relying on, on, you know, pushing forward and going hard. So yeah, that's where I've been super lucky is to be surround myself with I'd say some of the best developers and product managers and producers and creatives and uh, globally within that space, obviously, because we've been doing it 10 years now with my team. Um, some of them, Jono, that first started with me, there's a lot of IP and knowledge that we've, we've developed and grown over that time that nobody else really globally has. Yes. And that's why we've got these uh, huge, I guess, opportunities where we've been, you know, ended last year, Google presented us at their developer um, conference in San Fran, showcasing WebXR, some of the work we're doing there. So that's a recognition of basically the skill sets that we've got internally. So that's definitely probably one of the main driving factors towards our success today. Yeah. And then I guess it's just, you know, the old story about, just persistence, you know, you just got to keep on keeping on. We've had a hell of a journey with Open Rally wasn't really a defined market. It was still looking for a, a purpose for a, for a while and we've managed to figure out what our product market fit looks like and where it can add our utility and value and that's around this product experience. So that entire life cycle that I mentioned earlier on. And so that's kind of, yeah, that's been been our journey is basically trying to figure out where to platter off the most value and utility and how to position the business. So that's kind of where we've ended up now. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you've done uh, you've done quite well in a space that a lot of people don't even realise exists. No. You've pushed through the challenges and Yeah, yeah we've had to define that space. <laughs> you've had to define it and, and you have. You've you've done a great job yeah, thank and you. working with some fantastic brands and clients that yeah. I'm sure are gonna leverage the technology to the best they can yeah. and thrive using it. I mean, that's the future at the end of the day. We want to see every organization embrace disruptive technologies to increase efficiency yep. and provide better user experience. Definitely. Yeah, they've got to be test and learning. If, if you're not doing that, 
you're going to miss out on these opportunities. Somebody else is going to come and disrupt you and do it better. That's right. Um, and so, and it's not hard. It's not costly. You know, it yeah. just takes a bit of time and focus. So that's what I say is just, you know, people just need to get on board, you know, jump on the platform, have a play, build a pocket, proof of concept, yep. you know, test with their, their customers and figure out is value you need to lead to them. And if there is, then double down on it, invest more and build out a new user case or a new product that's going to help drive revenue or solve an existing problem around streamlining operations or empowering customers in a new way to reduce support calls, you know? Yeah. All these different uh, value propositions that you can look at tapping into. Where do you feel the synergies are going to be lying with AR technologies? You know, we see synergies today as an example, soft drink industries will synergize with fast food. So Coca-Cola, McDonald's are a perfect synergy. Where do you think the synergies will be with AR? Definitely. So there's a heap. Obviously, there's content platforms. A lot of the 3D content platforms are now partnering with AR platforms like us. Yeah. Because that's one of the barriers is that obviously you need 3D content. Yeah. So there's that. 3D scanning companies as well. You know, 3D video companies. So these are all going to be working together to be able to create these content types that then can be uh, adopted and used and engaged with through AR. So that's one you've then got... I guess IoT, as mentioned earlier on with the example with the Agri um, example we've done. So that's using data and being able to visualize that in context and the job I'm trying to do at the time. So that's another opportunity and AI as well. Rupert, you're very innovative and you're somewhat a visionary in this space. Thank you. <laughs> Tell me, what's your method? Method of madness. How does somebody such as yourself have a strong vision for something and then be able to implement and deploy an idea oh that's a good question there's a few factors i guess in my personal story and obviously having dyslexia is one of those so yeah essentially how you know originally i thought it was a it was something that's going to hold me back in life and you know it was actually a limitation yeah but in hindsight it's been the best thing that ever happened to me is that i actually realized that i can think differently from everybody else so that's a fundamental characteristic that I've had that other people might not have so it's not something you can replicate easy but uh, that's been one positive thing for me yeah one other thing that I think a lot of people can do and again it comes down to your personal mindset as well but creativity is a a really good uh, starting point so I have a lot of diverse types of friends and different backgrounds and different things so I get a unique perspective on life I guess yeah Um, so that's one obviously arts culture design technology you know I love all those things I like um, having, I guess, very rounded uh, life experience. And so that then feeds into where I get inspiration ideas, I guess how, where I get insights around where things might be heading. Yeah, And yeah, I guess a combination of those kind of factors has led to me being able to see potentially what might be coming in the future. Again, it's hard. It's always timing and a bit of luck in it as well. You know, the story's been told Five, six times before where I've failed in other companies and lost multiple million dollars of investment because I was too early and or the idea wasn't you know right at that time, that comes into it as well. So yeah, I, th- I think it's just one of those things that <laughs> there's a few different factors that comes into how to create that vision. Definitely. So the main thing is being creative and enabling creativity within your team as an example. Yep, yep, definitely. And dreaming a bit, I think. Exactly. And feeding off other people's ideas as well. So, you know, again, my team has helped find some of the vision things as well. So yeah. it's not just myself. Yeah. So I, I love, you know, learning from them and getting inspiration from them and they feed ideas through as well. So yeah, you, you, it's a, 
you know, team culture. Yeah, exactly. That's the culture of the company. So part of the culture of my company is to encourage the guys to go out and do, you know, hack projects and create their own things they're passionate about and they've all got their own passions and that's a really cool thing that I love to support and I try and build that into part of the day-to-day work life that they have here. Yeah, excellent. How can organizations today embrace this AR? What's their next step? Yeah, okay. I guess the first thing you want to do is understand it's all about the customer. So with your customer, what are you looking to achieve? Like what's the job they're trying to do? So it could be, you know, you say you're a retailer and you've got this visualization gap where the customers find it hard to be able to visualize what the products look like in context. Start with that. Is that, you know, your challenge? Is it you're a manufacturer and you can't afford to have large showrooms or you want to be able to ship your product overseas without having to physically send it? Is that your problem? Is it you're a company that's offering technical support and your customers aren't understanding how to perform a function or you've got a lot of paperwork that they need to follow to do that? Is that the pain point? So once you understand what the customer pain point is, that's the starting point. Now, open reality Obviously, it's powerful technology. It can solve problems. It's not always the right solution. Sometimes you can actually use video to achieve a better outcome. So you don't want to just deploy it just for the gimmick factor of using AR. You want to look at what the value and utility is. And so that's probably the next thing. So once you've defined what the problem is and what your strategy is, you then basically want to assess what's the user experience going to look like. And so that's where we normally ask the customers to do a bit of a storyboard around, you know, customer A comes in, how they're going to engage with the product, is it in-store experience, is it in-home experience, what's that product experience look like, so how many colors and variations, depending on what the user case is. So really try and map out what the customer experience looks like and do that user journey. Once you've got that, you then can go, right, the next thing I'm going to look at is content. Do you already have the content? Again, for some brands and retailers and manufacturers, they have the CAD files already, so they can obviously get up and running easier. Some of them don't have that, so they're obviously going to need to be able to create that content. That's where you might want to write a bit of a brief and outline. So those are kind of some of the basics. Once you've got those, then basically you want to look at what provider or partner you're going to work with to be able to deliver and create this experience. You've got obviously a whole different plethora of options out there. Obviously, if it's a product experience, you come to Platter, you just jump on the platform. Um, you can 100% self-service if you've got the capability in-house, or if you don't have the capability, we can help support that. And so we've got a whole different range of plans and options for that. If you're looking to do something more custom, such as a really advanced game, then there's other platforms like Unity, where you can get developers to basically build this kind of custom experience on that. And so, yeah, you want to assess what's going to be right for solving the problem within your business and yeah. then uh, pick the right provider to work with you through that. Just be careful. There's a lot of charlatans out there. You just really want to ask them the right questions around the experience, what they've done before, get them to show some case studies where it's worked, download the experience yourself, actually make sure you use the app or use the WebXR experience and just are you happy with that? Is it going to deliver the value you need? And then work with their team to be able to flesh out the right solution for your needs. And for our listeners that aren't sure what path or where to go next, you're happy for them to flick you yeah, um, definitely. a message yep. or yep. an email? Yep. yep. So just jump on www.platter.com and hit us up there. There's a, We've got online support and definitely happy to um, have some conversations. Hopefully today you've got some inspiration around how you can use technology to solve some problems or opportunities that you've got within your business for this coming year. And yeah, we'd love to work with anybody that's interested and got some ideas. Yeah, excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Rupert, for being on Future Nation. Uh, do thank you for saying yes and agreeing to do the interview. Yeah, no, thanks opportunity. It was obviously awesome to be part of this experience. Wish you guys obviously all the best for the coming year. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, look forward to hearing how people respond to the interview. 
We are always looking for innovative and interesting people to be on our show. If you or someone you know would like to share their experience and be a featured guest on Future Nation, head on over to futurenation.co and click on Apply to Be a Guest. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to receive future episodes as they are released. Once again, thank you for listening to Future Nation. Thank you for listening to Future Nation. Hey, no problem, buddy. Head on over to futurenation.co. What for? For show notes and more. Oh, and don't forget to share and subscribe.